Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, if you hit the play button, that must mean it's Bauer and Rose time. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose Show, the Bauer and Rose Podcast, available on Sirius XM. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe button. Recommend us to friends and give us a rating. Right before we hit the air, I asked Gary, um, expecting just a fine thanks, how are you? Answer to the question, how are you? Gary was about to begin what appeared to be a laconic tale of woe, and I shut him off and said, save it for the show. So, Gary, let's repeat. How are you doing? See, I actually thought we were doing the show when you asked me that question, which is why I started to answer the way I do on the on the show. No, uh, I, well, I was getting – folks, what I was getting ready to say to uh, Tom was that I'm in a funk which is not, you know, a rare thing for conservatives to be in these days. But th- th- this particular funk is uh, is being driven by the fact that it it is so obvious that the Democrat Party uh, is at war with America as it was founded. It, it is declared war on our Constitution, uh, on our Bill of Rights. And it is relentlessly erasing those sacred documents. And it's not just that a president like Biden does it, as you know, Tom. It, it, you know, county prosecutors are getting into the act. How in the world does a county prosecutor in Georgia get to um, set in motion things that results in the former president of the United States having a mugshot taken. And then this week we had this uh, uh, governor of New Mexico who uh, somewhere got the idea that you could declare a public health emergency and uh, suspend the Constitution as governor that she could do that. Where would she possibly uh, learn something like that? So that's what she did. She said the shootings taking place in the in Albuquerque, I believe. Uh, were um, a, a violation of uh, were they, they were a public health crisis, and uh, she declared that crisis and and then suspended the Second Amendment's right upheld by the Supreme Court for uh, an American citizen to carry a concealed weapon. Now, of course, what she did had absolutely no impact; won't have any impact on shootings in the state. Um, people that are shooting people are not going to be deterred by the fact that the governor has told them they're not allowed to carry a gun because the law already tells them they can't kill people, but they kill people. So why would they be deterred by carrying a gun? It, it doesn't make any sense. But here's the thing that is just driving me insane, uh, Tom. I think the left has made a calculated decision that we are so 
caught in a cobweb of our own making. We have turned our own respect for the rule of law and for the Constitution and the Bill of Rights into a suicide pact. We would rather go down singing the praises of the Constitution and telling our would-be supporters why there's nothing we can do against the forces that are abusing the Constitution because all the things we would have to do would be unconstitutional. So it, it is insanity. I believe every time, I don't believe this is an isolated thing. This governor is not just some wacko. She was on Joe Biden's short list to be his uh, vice presidential running mate. Uh, she's a, a mover and shaker in the Democrat Party. I think you'll see other governors do the same thing. Uh, I think there's a, I think just a 50-50 chance, Tom, that uh, the president will declare uh, either a climate emergency before the election, another COVID emergency before the election, or a potential war with Russia emergency before the election. And they will use that to, just as they did during COVID, censor conservatives, call anything we do and say, uh, foreign interference, Russian misinformation, uh, you, you name it, and uh, they'll get away with it again. And I believe with all my heart and soul, if they get four more years, it's over, my friend. Uh, you and I should uh, find a place on some mountaintop and uh, decide how we're going to go down in a, you know, Alamo type last stand. Well, let me let me ask you this. I'm uh, in Israel at the moment, so I've I've missed. I want you to tell me, tell our audience what the Republican caucus in the Senate's been doing to fight this. Obviously, they must be out there guns are blazing. John Thune, I'm sure, holding press conferences, Mitch McConnell rallying the troops to fight back against this lawfare that seeks to not only imprison for life a former president, but to utterly eviscerate the Constitution. And of course, yesterday being the anniversary of 9-11, I'm sure the Republicans in the Senate were all over the outrage, the absolute outrage, the desecration of the administration's announcement that it was releasing $6 billion, $6 billion with a B, to Iran, for the release of five Americans and the mutual release of five unnamed Iranians in the U.S., which should tell you something, right? They were certainly criminals or terrorists. They weren't hostages. So I'm, I'm just asking because I'm, I'm overseas at the moment and haven't been following the, the reaction of uh, uh, Republicans. It must have been deafening yesterday. Well, Tom, now you, you gave me a blank check, and I want to warn you right ahead of time, you know, that uh, uh, in order to summarize everything that the, the GOP did, uh, it could take me, uh, let's see, our show's about an hour. It could take me, oh, five seconds of the hour. Uh, they didn't do anything. Uh, Senator Hawley was the only one that I saw. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Senator Cotton was the only one that I saw make a tough enough statement to be quoted in the media today. Uh, I, you know, I, you and I have mocked in the National Football League, uh, the so-called prevent defense, which ends up being no defense <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, and it inevitably results in the other team, uh, scoring on you. 
uh, and and often you know teams blow games because well look we we just we didn't want them to score a touchdown so we're going to give them the first ten yards to, to 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 guard against that long pass well after you give them ten yards nine times in a row now you've only got nine to nine <laughs> ten yards left that you have to defend it is insanity it doesn't work in football and it definitely does not work in politics. And even beyond that, Tom, it doesn't work when a slow motion coup is taking place by America's leftists who are relentlessly taking down one conservative group after another. They're take they're, they're violating every prohibition, every constitutional guideline. All right, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to throw a flag here. I'm throwing a flag. Let me let me just ask you directly: Where the hell are the Republicans? Where are I, they? I don't know. I don't know. Now, Tom, I'm willing to concede that it's possible. The media is blocking them out, literally spiking things that they say because they know it will drive us crazy. But I just don't see evidence. Uh, and I think I would pick up on it. I go to a lot of events in town where Republicans are speaking and, you know, people are, are I, they, they appear to be in this trap already. I, I heard my, my good friend, uh, Senator Tim Scott say uh, a couple days ago, we're going to have a red wave in 2024. And I wanted to punch him in the nose. You know, we they were telling us we were going to have a red wave in in uh, in twenty twenty two, and it ended up being a red trickle. I, so don't tell me that you can't beat something with nothing. And we seem to be constantly putting up nothing. And because we don't scream about these things, because we don't act like people that are being wronged and that our country's being wrong, Americans go, gee, that, that doesn't seem like something a governor could do, but I don't hear very much reaction. So I guess I'm just wrong about that. I mean, no. it's, it's, we are bringing it. And this is, not, you know, this is not simply uh, related to the New Mexico governor, but on in every sense, lawfare domestically, the curtailment, of all of our liberties, uh, Justice Gorsuch in a decision recently wrote it. I don't have the quote in front of me, but just magnificent that, that since 2020, in the previous uh, three years, Americans have lost more of their liberties than at any peacetime point in the history of the country. And he also noted that at the height of World War II, which frankly, from our perspective, was the low point of World War II, there were none of the restrictions that were imposed as a result of COVID, not only uh, to challenge and change election law to benefit the ruling party, but shuttering people in their homes, shutting down the economy. We talk about government shutdowns. The Democrats are constantly warning us about the danger of a government shutdown, Repub the diaper-wearing caucus of the Republican Party uh, that wets their pants every time it's discussed out of fear and terror. The people that they're supposed to be opposing, Gary, they shut the entire economy down. They shut a $20 trillion economy down. And we're worried about the 13 percent of the government that may or may not be furloughed because of some uh, a budgetary dispute. We bring and this is not simply in one area, but in every area, we bring like a plastic butter knife 
to a howitzer fight. And we understand why we get our we don't understand why we get our butts kicked every single time. We're so terrified of any kind of criticism from mainstream press, which of course is state press, it's establishment press, all the government lapdogs. I mean, we've got these these series of indictments. Democrats waging all-out war against not just President Trump, but our Constitution, our election system, the way we choose our leaders. And Republicans, by and large, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but where are they? You can count. You just quoted one Senator Hawley. That was it. And trying to be the decent guy that you are, you you know, you, you tried to offer something, you know, maybe the media is shutting them down, but I don't buy that anymore, Gary, and I'm sure you don't either because of Twitter, conservative media. If John Thune wanted to be out there, and the reason I keep referring to John Thune is because Mitch McConnell is obviously no longer the leader of uh, the Republican Party in the Senate. He's severely compromised by his rapidly declining health. Thune is number two, then Cornyn and Barrasso. Uh, Mark Levin calls them the pallbearers. I think it's hilarious, but it's pathetic at the same time. That's what they are. That's where our leadership is in the Senate. I mean, we've got 49 senators. It's not as though, uh, you know, we're this tiny minority. We're two votes short of a majority. No, we don't have a majority, but the way that Republicans conduct themselves in the Senate, you would think we had 18 or 20 seats. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> uh, Tom, the, the, the left always punches above their weight and we always punch below our weight. Not only are the Republicans in the Senate uh, not fighting the White House uh, and, and, Trump and uh, Biden and the attack on our Constitution at the level you would expect. They're spending their energy attacking uh, and fighting House Republicans because the House Republican Conservative Caucus doesn't want another uh, budget bashing uh, bill to be passed through that, that sends our children and grandchildren into deeper and deeper debt. And then uh, Republicans in both the House and Senate are going over the uh, going to get up against the Republican senator, uh, Tommy Tuberville, who had the audacity to hold up a bunch of promotions at the Pentagon until the Biden White House stops violating federal law by uh, subsidizing uh, service members getting abortions. The, the entire Republican Party ought to be attacking the White House using defense money to help pay for abortions. Instead, they're attacking Senator Tuberville for making a stand against it. So th- this is every day. It, it, there's one thing, Tom, it will fight, and that is to keep the, their beloved title that they're known about, uh, they're known by in town, the stupid party. You know, it's obviously the left has completely coalesced around destroying Donald Trump. Of course, they want to destroy Donald Trump, but they want to destroy you, too. They want to make an example of you, too. I mean, look what happened on Friday where this uh Phony grand jury actually recommended indicting Lindsey Graham and the two Georgia senators. Now, they weren't indicted, but they very easily could have been indicted, right? Had the grand jury, the Democrat grand jury decided to do so. 
even though none of these people committed a single offense. And we're hearing lots of talk now about uh, imposing or uh, um, injecting Article 3 of the 14th Amendment, which if that happens, that really is the end of the country because the 14th Amendment, as everyone with, with more than a dozen brain cells knows, was written as a result of and to prevent former Confederates, those who had actually raised an army against the Republic and sought to break the country apart, 700,000 people dead as a result of a civil war, to prevent the leaders of the Confederacy from returning to national office. And if these spurious uh, attempts to redefine the 14th Amendment are implemented or even given any credibility or legitimacy at all. It means, and you referenced this earlier in the show, Gary, that a county prosecutor could overturn or render moot the uh, election of any public figure that he or she or it, depending on the gender pronoun usage, uh, doesn't like. Insurrection is a term that the left is now using on an ad hominem basis. Anyone that you oppose or anyone that opposes you is an insurrectionist. They're now doing to the word insurrection what they have done to the the once uh, meaningful word racist so that anyone who opposes you or you don't like is a is a white supremacist or a white nationalist or a right-wing extremist it's the use of language, and when we need when we need George Orwell the most, he's not around because that's what he wrote so brilliantly about was how the left uh, was able to change society, empower themselves by the effective uh, redefinition of terms and language to suit their purposes. Now, this this case in Georgia, I don't know how much national attention it got, but. Lindsey Graham was to be indicted in the January 6th thing by this by this Fannie Willis in Atlanta. I mean, this was the 14th Amendment uh, was used exclusively and specifically for a period in time to prevent leaders of the armed Confederacy from uh, 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 assuming a national office. And if you read the mainstream press and watch the mainstream media. Uh, they're literally trying to, uh, quote unquote, protect democracy by destroying the people's choice. And that's the ultimate Orwellian irony here is that they have to use a new definition of the 14th Amendment to, quote unquote, re- to protect democracy by preventing the people from voting for or, as Alan Dershowitz points out, voting against the candidate of their choice. Yeah, Tom, I mean, it's it's so obvious what's happening and uh and the fact that the Republican Party cannot vocalize it that way, they're so afraid. You know, they'll look at polling that people thought January 6th was not a good thing. Shocking. You know, people didn't think that the riots in uh, 2020, so the summer of 2020, were a good thing. They thought they were a terrible thing. Democrats stood proudly with those folks that did that. Kamala Harris famously made a donation to a group in one of the states. I think it was either Minnesota, I think it was Minnesota uh, to get riders out on bail so they could riot again. 
we we are afraid of our own shadow. And Tom, as you and I, I think, have talked about a couple of times, and, and of course, it's already disappeared down a memory hole. The, the infamous um, uh, dossier uh, that uh, bedeviled Donald Trump that was supposed to show uh, that he colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election. We know now, uh, after several investigations, that the, the purpose of that dossier, the reason that Hillary Clinton and forces aligned with her and powerful people in the Democrat Party uh, were promoting that dossier, that they were behind. They helped create it. Uh, as did some well-known people on our side, um, the reason they promoted it and the reason they leaked it and the reason they pushed it is they thought there was a chance, however slim, that they could prevent the inauguration of Donald Trump in January two, 2017. That the, the idea, if they could get traction that he colluded with a foreign power, an adversary of the United States, that they might somehow be able to go into courts. And, and remember, Tom, this is before Donald Trump makes three successful appointments to the Supreme Court. Maybe they could have taken this to the Supreme Court and gotten a ruling that would have backed him up. But that was the plan. So you could legitimately say that a good bit of the Democrat Party and their media allies, allies was attempting a coup. They were attempting to reverse the results of the 2016 election. And that pales in comparison to the steps they're taking right now, indicting Donald Trump on 91 charges, um, attempting to invoke the 14th Amendment, which has nothing to do uh, with challenging election results. This is what the election interference that's being conducted as we speak makes 2016 look like child's play. They've changed hundreds of election laws, extending voting periods, mail-in balloting, drop boxes, uh, uh, ballot harvesting, Voiding signature identification requirements, trying to void voter ID requirements, extending election uh, counting periods until after the election. That was all done in 2020 because of, quote unquote, COVID. Um, and now that we don't have COVID, they have to bring COVID back in order to reassert those rules. I don't think it's an accident variant. anymore. I was never. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard that. <laughs> that's a that I, I I like that. Can I switch gears for a second and suggest you, you may. a you may a policy proposal? And this is I, as I might have mentioned earlier in the show. I'm in, I'm in Israel at the moment, and uh, the big story here right now was or is the massive uh, bribery payment that the Biden administration just. Uh, gave to Iran. And here, here's my suggestion. Because the current administration is obviously incapable of standing up to terrorists and avoiding ransom payments, how about Republicans in the Senate and Republicans in the House passing a measure? Well, the Senate, they won't pass it, of course, but in the House, passing it, uh, banning all travel 
to Iran. Since the White House is not going to stop ransom payments, what about making it a criminal offense or at the very least a civil offense for any American citizen to travel to Iran? Because all Iran produces or exports are uh, you know, oil, drones, methamphetamine, suicide bombers, and they've got this 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 tradition now of kidnapping and hostage taking. And since we've just paid about one and a quarter billion dollars for five hostages, um, <laughs> what about preventing? Since the White House won't do it, preventing Americans from traveling. That if they go to Iran on anything that is not government-sponsored, you take your risks, uh, you subject yourself to a criminal or civil fine, and you are on your own. We will not pay ransom to terrorists for your return. I I like that idea, Tom. And, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing you would expect uh, to see come out of a think tank or maybe party headquarters like the RNC or maybe out of one of the uh, the other uh, myriad Republican organizations that good people listening to this broadcast uh, give their hard-earned money to, expecting ideas like that to come up. And uh, for some reason, we never seem to see these kinds of creative ideas. Tom, I was really struck that it, it, it's on the anniversary of 9-11 yeah, no that the, the Biden White House informs the Congress, as they're required to do, that we've just made this deal with Iran. And the Iranian government, as you and I know, but many of our listeners may have forgotten, the Iranian government has a contract out uh, on former President Trump and on former Secretary of State Pompeo and former National Security Advisor John Bolton. Uh, they, they are they, they have put the word out to the terrorist world, uh, you know, kill any one of these and you will get a big payoff with us. So the president of the United States, who's already trying uh, to conduct a campaign before the election that will destroy his political, his main political opponent, is now making sweetheart deals with a government that has made it clear they want to kill the guy that is the most likely opponent uh, of Joe Biden. Think if that shoe was on the other foot, Tom, the outrage that we would be hearing right now uh, if Donald Trump, when he was president, had made a deal with, let's say, uh, Hungary and Hungary's government had put out a contract out on Barack, the former president, Barack Obama. Can you imagine what we would be hearing today? Iran is a terror state. I mean, Iran is a terror state. Any money that you give Iran will directly or indirectly fund terrorism. When you pay ransom, you incentivize the taking of hostages. And since too many Americans insist on going to Iran, Iran has a fresh supply of hostages flying in every day. Now, we either put a a criminal sanction or a serious fine behind a trip to Iran, and I think Iranians are going to end up with a lot less hostages 
and we're going to end up paying a lot less ransom from a fickle administration that can't seem to prevent it. This is a regime that breaks every rule, every law. <laughs> we just gave them, I mean, it's not funny. We just gave them $6 billion. Yeah, you know, Tom, it's, it, it reminded me in the last day or so, you know, how often uh, the, the media has gone crazy and members of Congress have gone crazy uh, claiming that Donald Trump had our war plans against uh, Iran uh, in, in the papers that he uh, took to uh, Mar-a-Lago and that are now, uh, you know, part of the, the lawsuit uh, uh, in that in that controversy. Um, and, and, you know, and they've said that uh, uh, he, he, you know, he could leak those war plans out. Well, I, there's no danger that that Joe Biden would ever leak out war plans against Iran. We don't have any. The, the plans we have with Iran is how to play patty cake. Our plans is how to are, are how to arm Iran, how to make sure they can perform more terrible things around the world. I think they were so upset that Trump uh, took or may have taken uh, some war plans about Iran because it reminded the American people he would be willing to go to war if necessary, which Iran knew. And it's one of the reasons that under Donald Trump and Mike Pence's watch, Iran wasn't causing much mischief because they knew you didn't mess around with the big guy. But now with this president, Tom, I'm surprised, you know, uh, the lesser Antilles hasn't declared war on us. <laughs> you know, the the president uh, coming back from uh, the APEC summit uh, after his stop in Vietnam asked questions, was asked a series of questions about China. And I, I, I watched kind of gobsmacked because here the president of the United States, who theoretically is building upon uh, Donald Trump's foreign policy of containing China, protecting our allies and partners from a, an increasingly aggressive communist China. Biden says, and these are direct quotes, we don't want to contain China. We want China to succeed. So I'm a supporter of the Ukraine war. You're not so much. But as a supporter, why are we supporting Ukraine to contain Russia? But we're not. <laughs> we don't seek to contain China. I mean, what kind of message does this send to the world? This was a disastrous trip on the part of the president. Not only did he not show up for the uh, leaders banquet, but openly uh, you know, said he needed to go to bed. And then at Elmendorf uh, Air Force Base outside Anchorage at a refueling stop on the way home yesterday uh, is making jokes about uh, 9-11, lying about the fact that he was there uh, the next day when it's clear he didn't show up for two weeks. Uh, they have to they have to uh, kill his press conferences literally in mid-sentence. This has now become uh, – it's become so apparent that uh, the president of the United States is no longer even capable of fulfilling the ceremonial parts of his job, the simplest, easiest parts of his job. How much pressure is building uh, inside the Democrat Party to get rid of him? Tom, I keep hearing that there's a lot of pressure to do that. Uh, but look, uh, look, look at their ability to elect uh, people that are deeply intellectually limited 
at the time they're running for office. I mean, they, they were able to, to get Fetterman through when the poor guy was still suffering terrible consequences from maybe a couple of strokes. Uh, look, look at how Joe Biden hid in his basement. I think the biggest rally I saw were a couple hundred people. Donald Trump is bringing thousands and thousands of people to his his rallies. And yet they they would be able to give Biden, you know, a shot or whatever they give him and prop him up on the debate stage there for, you know, an, an hour or two. And, uh, you know, the guy would be able to bumble his way through. And we're told <laughs> he won the election. I still don't believe it. I will never believe it. And I don't care what any of them say about it. But uh, it is part of the strategy they use now. Uh, they, you know, they keep their candidate basically under wraps and they make the whole campaign about our candidate. It's nonstop controversies, charges, accusations, make-believe scandals, etc. So that every day people are getting up and they, they, they may not even remember that you're running against somebody. They just know that you, the Republican, every day seems to be in the middle of some big problem. And man, I don't want that in the White House. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that one of the things that's really not being discussed, of course, everyone knows Joe Biden isn't the president, but Barack Obama is. It's all of Obama's people. It's all of Obama's agenda, uh, uh, agenda on steroids. It's all of Obama's values, personnel, his highest achieving you know, from their perspective, personnel that are running the White House and by extension, the country. If it's a Gavin Newsom or some other Democrat that gets in the race, that's the end of the Obama era. Now, there'll be another left wing crackpot agenda from Gavin Newsom, but he'll he'd bring in his own people. That would be the end. So I think uh, I agree with you that as far as the left is concerned, Biden suits their purposes magnificently. He's a total empty vessel. They can do whatever they want. They can accomplish whatever they want. He doesn't have the mental capacity. He was never a smart man to begin with. He was always an idiot, but now he's severely incapacitated by cognitive decline. Um, and uh, I just don't see how or why they would uh, dump him short of a you know major if he has a massive stroke or you know something like that. I mean, they might be nervous. They're all talking about how nervous they are. But you're right. They win. Look at Fetterman wins election. Dianne Feinstein yeah. wins election. Joe Biden wins election. Mitch McConnell wins election. It's it's become so tribal now. It doesn't really matter what your physical capacity or mental state is anymore. If you're a leftist, you rig the system, you jail your opponent. And you remain in office. You, you know, Tom, there was a story breaking today and actually in the in the Washington Post. Uh, and I suspect it's because there's they're hoping that the the Democrat candidate in question can be removed from the ballot and replaced with somebody else. In the state of Virginia, we got a governor's race coming up <laughs> yeah. uh, or I'm sorry, a race for the Senate and, and the uh, and the assembly. And. Uh, both are narrowly held by each of the parties. And if Republicans could retain uh, one uh, house and then win the other house, 
uh, it would be a big deal because Governor Youngkin would be able to do a lot of things. Well, the story breaks today that in a swing district near Richmond, that Republicans have a real chance of picking up. Uh, the Democrat candidate is a 40 year old um, porn star, fairly attractive. <laughs> What's that? Porn star. Yeah, well, you, you're jumping the gun on me here. I mean, she's a, a, a reasonably attractive 40-year-old uh, registered nurse with two little girls or two little children. And she and her husband went on this particular site where she was performing certain things that people wanted her to do uh, in exchange for them giving what was called tips on this online site. Now, Tom, she was posting these videos after she was an announced candidate for the seat and she's won the primary. Look, I'm willing to believe that if she just sticks to her guns, uh, she might not only win, she might win by a bigger margin than she would have won by otherwise. I mean, you're I mean, this is all this is all free advertising for her. <laughs> you're 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 being uncharacteristically delicate. She and her husband make sex videos and sell them. OK, a lot of, you know. People always believe politicians are prostitutes. Well, now some of them literally are. And in, in what is one of the great ironies of, of our time, she exposed, has been exposed as a porn star with her husband. And she now calls herself a victim because she's on this website selling, uh, they do live sex shows and they, uh, sell to people the right to quote unquote tip or whatever, but that's prostitution by any definition. And now she claims she's the victim because um, uh, she was trying to finance her political career. She's a victim of a sex crime because it's illegal to expose bad behavior by uh, you know, serious leftists. She, in a statement that was released over the weekend called exposure of the videos, quote, an illegal invasion of my privacy designed to humiliate me and my family. So it's not going to intimidate her, she says. It's not going to silence her. Presumably, she's going to keep on uh, attempting to finance her campaign in this novel way. Look, this is a humiliate. In the old days, she would have committed suicide if something like this had come out. And today, well, she's proud of it. Well, Tom, I think this was a, a wanton uh, attempt on her part to appeal to those heterosexuals that still call themselves Democrats. Because most of the time, we're hearing about <laughs> the other 51 genders and what they're doing and what they're trying to teach your children in the schools, et cetera. I mean, tip of the hat to her and her husband. These are proud heterosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is uh, she was she was, quote unquote, performing. And you don't want to use that term in an online venue. I mean, she this recording wasn't done without her permission. And even if it oh, was, no. it was a public performance. It's on the Internet. That's not this has not this is not revenge porn. It's just so despicable of her to try. She, what she's trying to do is to appropriate the pain of. Real victims of, of, of real sex crimes. And the media seems prepared. I mean, the story is just breaking, so we'll see how it goes. But the media seems prepared not only to give her a pass, but to celebrate her. What happened to shame? What happened to any public sense of accountability or guilt? You know, when you and I 
and we come from somewhat different generations, this w- there would have been a suicide associated with a story like this. You know, there would have been such embarrassment, such humiliation. She's not only not backing down, she's, she's probably continuing to finance her campaign this way. Well, you know, Tom, I mean, as a registered nurse, she is a member of the group that uh, uh, during COVID we called first responders. I'm just not sure this was the kind of response that people were thinking about at the time. But uh, uh, at, at any rate, look, there's, it's kind of interesting here that that as a Democrat, her first reaction to this, what what can't be good news for her campaign her first rea- her reaction is to dig her heels in and start swinging away, right? A, a typical Republican would already be heading to the deep grass. Oh, my gosh. I'm so embarrassed. I'm a horrible person, et cetera. No, I mean, the, the lesson Democrats have, if you're attacked, proudly stand up there, punch somebody in the nose. People love a fighter. You'll get their sympathy, et cetera. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there's anything a Democrat can be uh, found doing uh, that would end their political career. Maybe, and, maybe, and maybe, let, maybe going to church. If there's video of them. I, I was going to say, I was going to just say going, going to church or praising Look, God I, publicly. And that probably would be the, the kiss of death. I mean, there's been this age-old argument that politicians are prostitutes. Well, if this woman wins, well, then the people of her district at least will know what they're getting. <laughs> A real-life prostitute. Yeah, you, you know, Tom, to, to juxtaposition uh, that sad story, uh, we just, uh, you know, there was a, a tennis, new tennis champion uh, crowned uh, a few days ago, um, and I, you, as you know, I sometimes come up. I have a hard time coming up with names, and it's not because of age. I've been like this my entire life. Do, do you know her name off the top of, of your head? The the uh, the winner, the, no, the female winner. It's it's um, of the U.S. Open. Uh, uh-uh. Winner. No. Yeah. Uh, well, at any rate, uh, do you? She, she. No, I I don't. I I mean I did. Earlier this morning, I just can't come up with it now. But uh, she uh, she comes from a wonderful family. Uh, it, she's uh, a strong Christian, as are her family. Uh, and she uh, prays both before the tennis matches and after the tennis matches. And uh, when she was praying after winning the U.S. Open, um, the, the, the video, of course, was taken and, um, the ESPN uh, sports senator center posted it on, uh, Twitter or, or what is now called X. And it said, and, and what you see is her kneeling down, hands folded, head bowed. And, uh, she's saying, uh, and ESPN says, uh, uh, Coco Groff, uh, US, ESPN says, uh, here's Coco Groff overwhelmed by the moment, taking it all in. And it, uh, it was uh, the former football coach, uh, Dungy, who said in response, I don't know how to break this to you guys at ESPN, uh, but what she was doing is called prayer. 
Good for him. Uh, and uh, yeah, and it, but it, it was so telling, Tom, because people at ESPN, ESPN found acknowledging that she was on her knees praying to be more in a more embarrassing thing to acknowledge than what the Democrat Senate candidate in the suburbs of Richmond was doing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We're running out of time. I missed it, but uh, not a not a not a great beginning for Aaron Rodgers in the New York Jets. Oh, my goodness. What a. Um what a what a turn of events that that uh, the beginning of that game, Tom, uh, was what you would have imagined the pomp and circumstance, uh, uh, the you know the the patriotic fervor. It's the twenty second anniversary of uh, of nine eleven. Aaron Rodgers, uh, the the lights are dimmed, fireworks are going out off, and uh, Aaron Rodgers brings the Jets onto the field carrying a huge American flag. This is all followed by a huge flag then being unfolded on the field, and then I believe a a, a female uh, firefighter or police officer sings the national anthem. And uh, the crowd roars and sings along. And, and then literally four minutes into the game, he suffers this terrible injury, which is tragic. I don't, you know, it could be very, very serious. But, Tom, the other tragedy to me was, you know, it was a reminder just seeing the crowd, seeing the patriotic fervor. It was a reminder of 22 years ago and, and how we uh, rallied around the nation and then in the 22 years that followed, we have systematically uh, surrendered our liberties. And some of those liberties were surrendered in the name of getting the people who did that to us on uh, 9-11. We passed the Patriot Act. We passed other similar laws at the urging of the Bush administration, at the urging of patriotic men and women in the House and the Senate that told us we had to give the deep state great powers to go get our enemies when some mostly libertarians objected and said, wait a minute. How are those powers going to, you know, how, what are we going to do to make sure that they're not turned around on the American people? And the answer was, oh, you fool. We're going to have safeguards. We're going to have special courts. We're going to have congressional oversight. These agencies will have to come up to us and answer tough questions. And in short order, Tom, every one of those powers are now being deployed against conservatives, against right-to-lifers, against Donald Trump, against the Republican Party, against every everybody that, that proudly calls themselves a patriot. Those special powers used to go get radical Islam are now being used relentlessly against the American people. Thank you very much. Well, I'm, I'm actually glad that I'm um, 7,000 miles away and you're not able to look at me directly because I um, reluctantly have to confess I was one of them. I was absolutely one of them who was. Hey, Tom, I was, too. I was, too. I, I raised some questions, but by and large, we're both patriots. 
we we both were still in this mood, you know, that this is the greatest country in the world and everybody's on the same page. And the FBI, these are the good guys. Whoa, they would never do any of those things. And, you know, they were already they already had in their midst people that were willing to violate the Constitution to get their political enemies. And that's exactly what we're in the throes of. I uh, I bought it hook, line and sinker. I took great exception to the notion that anyone in our security uh, state apparatus would ever do anything that violated not only their oaths, but their commitments, their patriotism, and how desperately, desperately wrong I was. It's, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I was um, as big a cheerleader for all of these. The only You mentioned it, the libertarians, who I normally don't agree with on a lot of things. Uh, they were on it, and I wasn't. So. Yeah, I well, Tom, we're making up for it now, uh, and that that's good. Uh, and you know, the, but the jury is out. You know, the jury is out about whether we're going to be able uh, to save the Constitution or not. Uh, somebody with a wrote a, a, a joking headline today, uh, mocking headline, referring back to Franklin's uh, alleged answer to a woman who asked him, well, what did you give us? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. The headline on this piece was a dictatorship, if we can keep right, it. Right, right, exactly. I just, I, I fear that the jury is uh, walking back to the jury room. That's 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 my fear. Anyway, we are out of time. Have a terrific uh, couple of days. Improve your mood. Stay safe over there. Tom. Thanks. Improve your mood if you can. Okay, <laughs> I'll try. Okay, thank. This is the Bauer and Rose Show, the Bauer and Rose Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an edition of the Bauer and Rose Show. God bless. Be well. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. Bye.